Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. If this is your first time tuning in with us here at City Collective, my name is Jason. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective. And wherever you find yourself on your your journey of faith, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, not really sure about Jesus at all or Christianity as an idea, as, as as a life paradigm, whatever it is for you, know this, that this is a safe place for you to be, to ask questions, to be part of community. We truly believe that Jesus is creating space for you to discover what life could really look like with him at the center. And so uh, if this is your first time, I would just encourage you, uh, shoot us a a message at hello at citycollective.com. Our team would love to get in touch with you and let you know a little bit more about who we are as a church and uh, different ways in which you can stay in touch. Now, we are in the middle of a series called Spirit Lead Me. Uh, at home, I hope that this has been uh, a blessing to you, this, this direct conversation about what it means to actually have the Spirit at the center of our lives, to have the Spirit moving and a part of all that we do, that when Jesus, he, he ascended into heaven and he says, I've get, I'm sending you something that's even better, that is the Spirit of God, that is the Holy Spirit that is there to be more than just a, a nice idea or an add-on to, to be part of every bit of our lives. And so these past two weeks, we've talked about what it means to be led by the Spirit and how that actually begins to transform our stories, what it means to actually have our gifts stirred up by the Spirit and seeing that arise within us. And so this Sunday, what I wanted to do was actually start to engage with what it would look like if we were to be a people that started to see our lives to have the fruit of the Spirit come into place. That Galatians chapter 5, this letter from the Apostle Paul, talks about a life that is rooted in the spirit and the fruit that comes out from it. And you might be thinking to yourself, like if you've ever spent any time in church at all, if you've attended a VBS or, uh, of some sort or, or you've listened to any kind of kids uh, Sunday school material, you've probably at some point had them go through the fruit of the spirit. And we, t- we hear about love, and we hear about patience, and we hear about self-control, and we kind of think to ourselves, well, I know exactly what that looks like. Seems pretty straightforward. Seems pretty basic. I know exactly how to move forward with this, and, and we kind of glaze over it, and we don't actually give it an opportunity to start to, to speak to us, to, to shape us, to form us. But I think Paul is saying something really significant. So if you could follow along with me uh, at home, we're going to read out of Galatians chapter 5 in starting in verse 22, and it says, we're reading out the NLT. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I love that verse. I love that passage. 
And I think in order for us to kind of grasp what is it inviting us into, we got to take a look at what, what's kind of around it. So uh, Paul is writing a letter to the, to the church in Galatia. And, and we think that this letter was written somewhere between 40 and 50 A.D., which means it was about 20, 10 to 20 years after Jesus has come. He's died and he's, he's been resurrected. And what does that mean if it's about 20, 10 to 20 years after? Well, it means the church is new. It means the, the concepts and the ideas of what it means to actually follow Jesus are still being developed. And they're having foundational conversations around what it means to actually follow Jesus. Um, healing, salvation, and, and revivals going through the land. And the Spirit of God is on the move. While at the same time, in the city of Jerusalem, the Roman Empire is, is occupying it. And, and what they're actually doing at this time is they're increasing pressure on the people that are living there. They're starting to increase the, the laws and the restrictions in the hopes that they're going to be able to implement these laws and restrictions to make them more Roman. But in response to these increasing laws, you're starting to see that the, the people of Israel are rising up. There, there's a stirring within them that they're feeling this, this greater sense of nationalism, this greater sense to, to lean into their, their, their race and their religion. And, and this is spreading amongst them. And they, they wanted them to be more Roman, but they're there's this nationalist pride that's rising up and, and Judaism is rising and, and a revolt is swelling. And amongst this group is a group of Pharisees who have been turned Christians and they're called the Judaizers. And they're spreading as well and their whole MO is this, that you need to become Jewish before you follow Jesus. And this influence has extended to the church in Galatia. So Paul is writing this letter to remind them what is true about them. In the midst of all this nationalism, nationalism, he wants them to know what is true about them. And in Galatians 5 verse 2, Paul actually speaks directly to the Judaizers. And he says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. He's saying that if you trust the law, you're not in the family of Christ. And, and in other words, if you find your godliness in the law of Moses, then you're choosing not to find your righteousness in the person of Jesus. And those are heavy words. Those are heavy words meant to call to attention the, the separation that was happening away from what Jesus was actually calling them towards. But he doesn't just say it on this one side, this law abiding, this, this more legalistic approach on one side. But then he speaks to the other side where maybe there's this loose living that's coming into the, to the community. That they're approaching things as if you can do whatever you want. It is okay. Don't worry about it. I can just continue on because I'm free. And he speaks directly to the other side in, in, in the following section where he calls out the vices of the community and says, this is not the way in which you live with Jesus, by Jesus, or with the Spirit on the inside of you. He's saying that the Judaizers and their legalism is not right. To do completely whatever you want to do is not right. There, there is a spectrum that he's speaking towards, and it's in this context that Paul then decides to give the fruit of the Spirit. Are you with me? We've got the legalism side. 
We've got the, the, this loose living side. And on this spectrum of the Galatian church, Paul is saying, this is not the way in which God wants you to live. Let me show you what a life looks like when it is rooted in Jesus and has the fruit of the Spirit taking place. Paul has something to say to them, and I think he has something to say to us, where we need to check our hearts. Because in many ways, culture's kind of given us a license to sin, and Paul would say that this is no way to live through Jesus. I, I, I know for myself, whenever I think about the idea of, of bearing fruit, I love the imagery that is provided by Paul in this passage, this, this idea of being rooted in what's bearing fruit in our lives. And if we think about even the different ways in which we find our everyday actions influenced, if you think back to when you were a kid, what were, the, what were the clothes that you wanted? We've got a little nephew, and he loves Mickey Mouse. He loves watching that TV show. He loves seeing the movies. He loves reading the books. And now every time that he wants to wear a shirt, what shirt is he wearing? He's wearing his Mickey Mouse shirt. Because you, once you have everything in your life kind of rooted in these different things, that starts to influence the way you act, the way you talk, the way you dress. And this might feel really silly and really simple, but if you think about all the different things that you have as direct influences in your life, I wonder how that influences the actions of your life as well, the fruit of your life. And this is why Paul is saying that these things are not going to work because the actions that the fruit of these things does not look like the fruit of the spirit so this this morning i'm going to try and deal with three different questions and the first one is very simply what is the fruit of the spirit the the, the imagery that paul uses is really clear and i want you to picture this with me that if if the spirit is a plant rooted in the soil of your soul this is the kind of fruit that is going to be produced in your life. If, if the Spirit is a plant rooted in the soil of your soul, the fruit that he outlines is going to be that which is produced in your life. And the very first thing, the very first fruit that he outlines for the Galatian church is one of love. This is the characteristic that holds the top of the list, that holds the rest of the list together. The primary thing that the Spirit grows in you is love. And Paul puts it at the very beginning. He puts love at the top of the, the virtue of, of, the, of the Spirit, that, uh, the fruitful list, sorry. And then he puts at the top of the vice list a sexual immorality. And what he's, he's doing is he's contrasting that if you're moving to a life that is with Jesus at the center of it, you're moving from a place of lust to love. You're moving from a place of, of receiving and having all that you want fulfilled to a place of self-giving, of giving away of yourself from a place of lust to a place of love when you're rooted in the Spirit. Love at its core is selfless. It's building each other up. The second thing that he outlines is joy. The Spirit gives you joy. How many of you can say that you have a life that produces joy in such a way that causes people around you to ask the question, why? Why would, why would someone want to follow Jesus? Well, maybe it could be something as simple as seeing the joy that is the fruit in your life. Because joy is this. Joy is having the assurance that God is with you in our mess. Joy is not having every problem solved. 
Joy is not having perfection in every moment. Joy is not just feeling like you're happy all the time. Joy is the assurance that God is with you in your mess. That God is overcoming evil through his redemption. And therefore the song of praise that rises out of our heart is that thing of joy that comes even in the worst moments. The third thing that he mentions is peace. One theologian describes it, I love it, as a deep-toned gladness. Monochromatic is not just a fashion tone. It's, it's, it's in the spirit. It's increasing tones of gladness that the world can't take away. We need that peace. The fourth thing is patience, and it's an inward and it's an outward thing, and I love that patience is included because to me it says that God is not, so, not just concerned about telling us what we do. He's telling us why we do it. He's trying to give us an idea of how that actually begins to form in our lives. And then he goes on to say the next, which is goodness, that the Spirit makes us good. And I like to think of it this way, that whenever you see like a superhero movie, you can really easily recognize the hero and I wonder why. Well, when I think about any kind of superhero movie, I think of a hero that is willing to give of themselves selflessly. It, they're going out of, the way, out of their way for the interests of others. There's a selflessness to them. And so the spirit to me, when I'm reading about the goodness that is the fruit, makes us a self-forgetful person. The next one, and we're just blitzing through our fruits of the spirit, but... The, the next one is faithfulness. The, the Spirit produces this level of dependability within us. Do you show up? Do you follow through? The next one is gentleness. And gentleness and meekness is not really a value in our culture. In many ways, it's, it's, it's been infiltrated and, and almost uh, thought less of that we think that to be gentle is to be weak, to, to, to not actually advocate for ourselves, to not actually develop anything of value in our lives. Gentleness can be seen as a weakness, but we're called to live what Jesus is in a cruciform life. What does that mean? That means God became gentle and meek, and he died in order to cause change. Gentleness causes change in the world. And then the next one is self-control. And that we don't have to muster it all in our, ourselves, this level of self-control, but rather self-control is the submission of our lives to the Spirit and it's choosing the way of God instead of choosing my immediate pleasure. This, these, these nine different fruit of the Spirit that Paul outlines for the Galatian church to kind of grab hold of, to try and see where in my life am I missing a fruit of the Spirit? How, how am I lacking so much so that I can start to take a look at where my life is actually rooted in? So Paul is getting at, with this metaphor, that, that the fruit comes from being rooted in the right spot. And this is the Spirit's fruit. And, and you want this in your life, and you need to root yourself in the Spirit first. And, and the second thing that I really noticed in there is, the, it says the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit. And then he outlines all nine to them. Because when I think of some of these, these items on this list, I'm like, man, I got self-control sometimes. Man, I, there are days where I wake up and I feel really like I'm in self, I have some self-control. I have days where I feel like I'm super patient. 
And we think to ourselves, well, I've got like a couple, I've got three of nine on the, the fruit of the Spirit list right now. No, I think what Paul is saying actually is that the fruit of the Spirit is all of it together. So often I'm pursuing one or two of them, but why? what am I doing? I'm operating out of my own strength. But when the Spirit is rooted in our life, the fruit of our life is all of them together. And it's not just that I can just say I'm self, uh, exhibiting self-control or I have patience or I have have gentleness. It's understanding that all of them work together. It's so easy to to be like, okay, I have self-control because I don't want to be like this other person. I I don't want to be addicted to pornography, so I'm going to have self-control. I don't want to have the life that they live, so I'm going to have, I'm going to be careful how much I drink. I'm going to, I don't want to do exactly, I don't want to have the fruit of that's in their family, so therefore I'm not going to get into a gambling addiction. Having self-control from those platforms is actually making a decision out of selfishness instead of selflessness. That's a decision out of my own strength instead of out of the Spirit's strength. But if I say to myself that my my good God has shown me the love that I need in this world, the love that I want to show in this world, and I want to be at the very best so I can be used by Him, so I'm going to make sure that my body, my mind, my spirit, my lifestyle is free and set apart so it can be used by God. Then self-control is born of the Spirit. It's born out of gentleness. It's born out of love. It's born out of patience and not born out of my selfishness. Do you see what I'm saying? That so often we can misconstrue our root because we might see a version of the fruit. That self-control might be present, patience might be present, gentleness might be present, but it's not just what you do, it's how you do it. That he's not just saying the fruits of the Spirit, he's saying the fruit of the Spirit, that they all are intertwined and they're together. It's but why you do what you do. Because this is what the Spirit of God does. The Holy Spirit convicts our hearts. It provides comfort where we have insecurity. And we need the Spirit in our lives to bear good fruit. I think of it this way, that we need our lives rooted in Jesus. And he's our foundation and our core. But then we also need the Spirit rooted in our souls, which is our strength in our very being. So he's under my feet. He's the strength that I need when I feel like my knees are buckling. But he's also in my very core that allows me to rise up and lift up all the things that are around me. He gives me that core strength to be at the very to be at the very center of all that I do. That's why Jesus said it's better if he goes because I'm going to send you something that is at the very center in the very fight of your life in everything that you do. I'm at your foundation, but the spirit is within you and this is the fruit that is born when the spirit takes root in our lives. This is this is what Paul is trying to show both sides of the spectrum. That it's not just about what you do. It's about why you do it. And this is not just a list of things to check off, but to understand of what we actually allow to take root in our lives. Because why do we need this fruit? This is the second question I want to deal with. Well, the very premise of Galatians chapter 5 comes from verse 1. So we're going to throw that up on the screen. And it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Uh, One version says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't allow 
so we don't need to allow ourselves be burdened by this yoke of slavery. The, the Mosaic law, our legalism is a prison. Our flesh and our desire is a prison. But the fruit of the Spirit is righteous. It is godly. And at its core, it is freedom. Why do we need this fruit? Because it is for freedom for that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set your family free and your friends free and your co-workers free. It is for freedom that Jesus came into our midst and it is for freedom that the Spirit needs to take root in our lives because all of those fruit that we have outlined are the fruits of freedom. This is why we need the Spirit. And the thing is, even culturally, we're asking the question about what is freedom. And I would say that culturally we're saying that freedom is just being able to do what I want to do. But if you can't do what you want to do, are you being really who you are? And this is the questions that are, that are coming around that if I can do what I want, when I want, however I want to do it, that is freedom. But I don't think that's what the Bible says, and I don't think that's what a life of freedom actually looks like. To do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, based on however I'm feeling, is not submitting myself to the Spirit. And even that word submission does not seem to go in hand in hand with freedom. To submit myself to the, to the good God of the universe, to, to the Father, is, doesn't feel sometimes like I'm actually looking for freedom. But Jesus, what Paul is writing is that Jesus came so that we could experience freedom and have life and life to the fullest. Jesus has come to give us a new life altogether, and, and the reframe for you is what you define as freedom. Freedom is becoming the way that you were made to be, not living in slavery to the desires of the moment that we always have. Not living in slavery to the desires of the moment. It's, it's a paradigm shift. And deep down inside, we know that there are things that are very core that we do, that we think, that we feel that are just not right. And sometimes the way we go about our business stems from those things that are deep inside of us. And we need to think about what are the things we're allowing to take root and the fruit that is coming from it. Here's what Jesus would say to you. You can change. There is a hope. There is newness. And when the, when the, spirit takes root the fruit begins to look a little different a life that is free looks like a life that is bearing the fruit of the spirit why do you need it because freedom is what god wants for you because we have the wrong things rooted in our lives and because our interpretation of our lives is through the wrong filter some of us have the wrong interpreter for our lives. Our, 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 our present is seen through our past. Our purpose is seen through our pain. Our entire future is seen through our flaws. But we have the wrong interpreter, and therefore the fruit of our lives look a little different. Um, the, the area of India that my family is fr from speaks a, a dialect called Malayalam. Now, 
My grandparents spoke it growing up, and so I knew a little bit. Mom and dad would speak it so that they could say things that Jessica and I wouldn't understand, and so we learned just enough to make sure that we could understand them when they were trying to say things. And it wasn't enough to really be able to speak fluently. There was words, there was understanding. But whenever we went to India, they would, everyone would have the expectation that we would understand it completely. I was the last person that anyone should be expecting to be an interpreter in this situation. There is so much nuance and so, much, uh, so many different inflections that are a part of this dialect. There are 56 letters in this alphabet. That is, that is way more than I can deal with. And they all kind of sound a little similar. Let me give you, give you an example. There are uh, two words that in my brain sound identical but mean very different things things, that if I was an interpreter in this situation, and someone said the word pali, and then they said the word pali again, they can mean two different things, either a lizard or church. I don't know how they sound different. My, my mom at home is probably laughing at me right now because she's saying that you're saying it the same way or you're saying it slightly different and you still don't understand. I don't know. I don't have the right interpretation. I don't understand the nuance. I don't understand the context. And sometimes our lives, we don't see the nuance. We don't see the context. We don't see the whole picture. And we have the interpretation of our past leading to our understanding of the present when the spirit is right there and God is saying, let my spirit be your interpreter. Let my, let my voice be the one that you see this moment that you might see the failure but I see your future I might you might see your, your your pain and your past but I see your purpose and your potential that the spirit is this interpreter that comes in and starts to bear that fruit of gentleness of self-control of love of patience but if I, if I don't have the spirit rooted in my life my interpreter sounds a little bit different and I need to have that shift Sometimes we have the wrong interpreter, and I still don't know if I said Pali and Pali differently. The, the third question is, how do we get this fruit? Because it can seem a little daunting, like I need to, I need to have self-control every day. I need to have patience every day. It's, it's much more than I can handle. Well, I think actually what it is leading us towards is that the, the Spirit is freely given. But what Paul says, it's often quenched. That in our striving, in our, in our desires, in our push towards grabbing hold of that which we are holding on to, we quench the Spirit. And the, the way that we are invited to just grab hold of it is simply inviting the Spirit to take root in our life. It's simple. It's a simple place to start, and it's an invitation that we're given every single day. There might be days where you fall short, days where you feel like, man, the spirit was not rooted in my life today. The fruit definitely tells me it wasn't. But the mercies are new every single morning so that you can invite the spirit to come and take a hold of your life. God's vision for humanity, for us, for you and for me, was to be one with him. His design for us for all time is that we would get his very presence with us at all times. And this is available to us right now. By saying yes to the Holy Spirit in our lives, it is the Spirit of God changing us from the inside out. It is God beating our hearts, coursing through our veins, whispering to us to give yourself away. 
Don't get caught in striving. Don't get caught in apathy. Don't get caught in being slaves to your desires. But when you take up my yoke, know that it is light. And you will see fruits sprouting out on that spirit tree rooted in your soul. It's just an invitation. So right here, right now, church, if you're saying to yourself, I I have a relationship with Jesus, but I don't know about the spirit, just know you just need to open your heart up. Be like, spirit, take root in my soul. Spirit, take root in my soul. Every morning, spirit, take root in my soul. And then throughout the day, ask, what is the fruit that I'm seeing in my life right now? Am I actually just saying words or am I actually making that invitation? And I so believe that when we do this as a church, when we make that invitation, the fruit of our church is going to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to be a people transformed from the inside out with a different interpreter, with a different plan that we can see for ourselves, believing that God really does have the best in store for us, a life that is cruciform, a life that is not self-dependent, a life that is given to the way and to the purpose of Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? So Father, we give you thanks that your spirit is within us and that your spirit is for us. For the voices in our lives that would say otherwise, we just declare that you would bring clarity and peace and that your spirit would begin to move within the homes of those who are watching this morning, who are, who are watching perhaps later on, who call City Collective home. And we just trust that you would begin to take root in our lives. The Holy Spirit, take root in the lives of those who are making that ask right here, right now. Those who are saying, Spirit, take root in my life. Take root, and let's just declare that we would see the fruit of that begin to be born. Thank you that all of those are possible, not through our strength, but through you alone. Thank you that you are at our foundation and that you are at our core. We give you all the glory. Thank you that we are going to be led by the Spirit this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.